Fake news. Mr. President. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Mr. President. I just want to have one thing to say. Mr. President, I'm trying to get a word edgewise here. Fake news put out Mr. President, it's not. It's not fake news just because you don't like it. A few days ago, fake news Enough! Each and every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network brings you the real news with the poor of poor, with the late breaking news that really matters. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast about everything nerd. With your hosts, Nate Phillips and Brandon Stone. We've come a long way from the Prime Minister's exploding cake. Or have we? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 187 on a mother effing cop. I'm your host, Nate. Today, Brandon is, uh, he's apparently on vacation on Planet Namek for some reason. I'm not really sure why that's his business. I'll leave him to it. However, today, I pulled somebody out of time and space itself. Actually, somebody who maybe has changed all of history because this person revealed the truth of our world and um, let us see the light that is the Black Suit of Death itself. And this is one of the creators of the Black Suit of Death. Welcome back to Journey into Comics 41 episodes later. Ben Krieger, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a lovely Saturday evening. As I said, uh, Brandon's out, so I was like, who can I call up? It seems really interesting in your timing that you are you're doing another Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, it's actually almost it's it's getting really close to ending. That's why we're doing this because we're gonna do a big mega push for around the world and hopefully get you guys funded. Because let me tell you something, man. Our listeners love your your book. I can honestly tell you that. And oh, that's awesome. Um, I love your books. Obviously, <laughs> huge fan. I'm actually behind one book, and I need to rectify that with you probably after this podcast. Um, but oh, you you don't have number two yet? No, man. Um, I got into some, not even the digital one. No, dude. I got into a little bit of a, a financial bind and lost right. my my backer status on KS. And um, that happens, man. It's I all right. Hate it. It's the worst. I feel like you it unintentionally cursed me though, because we were talking about that. Because <laughs> you're like, you know, we're talking about the thing, and you're talking about the plateau of Kickstarter, and you're like, you know, and then sometimes you get to the end, and there are people that you know situations happen, and finances fall through, and something, and then they can't back you. And I'm like, yeah, that would suck to have that happen. And then it happened to me, and I was like, <laughs> son of a bitch, like of all the times for that to happen. So. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. totally behind on on uh, Black Suit of Death issue two. Of course, I have the Ides of March issue one, but you guys are on issue three already, and I I just can't wait to tell where you know where the story is to go next. So let's talk about that. How's this Kickstarter going for you guys, and what's been up? Oh, well, we had a fantastic beginning. I mean, the first day, I think, you know, you want to get to that thirty percent within the first three days, and by day two, we had hit. I believe I'm pretty sure it might have been like at the beginning of day three, but I think at day two we hit thirty percent, and, and we became a, a project that Kickstarter loves. So everything was going really great, and then it plateaued. <laughs> it was really kind of strange. 
as, as it seems to always do with it always I mean does it's like I and it's weird because you know we were a part of your guys's first campaign attempt that was mm-hmm. a learning experience yeah. for all of us actually way way back oh that was so long ago now I know it's, it's so like weird. you it, that was before we were into our first hundred episodes of this show so it's been over a hundred episodes ago. Um, since that happened, but it's like, you know, we all learned from that, you know, you guys kind of paved the way for like, what can we do better? How can we change things? What can we do to make things more effective? I think you guys were the first campaign I saw that started utilizing thunderclap it. Yeah. Um, Um, and that didn't use that this time because, uh, algorithm or Facebook's new algorithms, um, made thundercrap, 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 made thunderclap it irrelevant um facebook wouldn't allow it to do what it used to do and so we didn't use it this time because it it felt like we'd be pushing this thing that would just be completely ineffective and you know we but we still had a great first uh opening you know we had a great launch and so i don't think it hurt us um, I think what hurt us was the fact that uh, we uh, pre-advertised um, and then a bunch of uh, really tough stuff happened that slowed the production of the book down. And so we didn't get uh, issue two, the physical books, uh, sent out until mid-campaign. So I think that's kind of why we plateaued because like backers, you know, it's backing a project like this especially i think comic books tend to have comic books and movies tend to have a little more risk than some others maybe i don't know i'd have to look at the statistics but you know people get scared it's like i don't have the reward from the last one should i back this one should i take that risk and i completely understand that but we did we worked really hard to keep everyone up to date um told them what happened and it's basically we uh, we're able to gather together a few hundred dollars and buy some advertising. And some of that advertising was in uh, Alterna's newsprint comics, which was really cool. But then um, I think one of the books or maybe two of them got delayed by Diamond. And so the advertising didn't come out. It was supposed to come out like at the beginning of March. And I don't think the books came out till the beginning of April. So like all these like little things like not having the book quite done in time, advertising not quite working out the way that we had planned, and uh, so but you know we've pushed it and we're doing uh, we're almost at sixty percent right now so we have about two thousand four hundred dollars left to go, but we're staying positive we're getting. I don't know. I'm like totally talking over. I know you asked a question. I don't know if I answered it now. No, you're fine. <laughs> Just please continue on your thought, man. Don't worry. I, I'm very tangential, so uh, we can we'll awesome. we'll get there when we get there. You okay. keep going on. I'm looking at your your current Kickstarter right now. Of yeah. your goal of six thousand, you're at three thousand five hundred and sixty. So you're now yeah. on the head with your numbers of twenty four hundred. One thing I know is you are a fucking just on top of it when it comes to letting people know what's going on with your campaign. You're very vocal on Kickstarter. You use it just like you use Facebook, as in you're constantly on there with updates and letting people know what you're doing and letting people know what you're backing and what you're getting into. 
and that helps yeah. to build a larger community. And, and just that, that's one thing I've always noticed is you have such a, a drive and a work ethic. And the one thing, you know, we always talk about with this is at the end of your campaign, when you're at four or three days to go, you're going to start to become one of those projects that are ending soon, which will put you on a different list. And then people will yep. start backing that. And you might blow through your goal of 6,000 like it isn't anything. You just haven't found all the right people yet. Oh, that's the plan. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, this it's good it, to also be advertising our, elsewhere too, yeah. like what we're doing today. Well, you know what's really cool? If we talk about advertising, this this hap- this started happening with uh, the campaign for issue two. And what's really I don't know how do you describe it? Because it's 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 a little bit humbling maybe. People like like fans are going out of their way to uh, retweet, uh, share, write articles like uh, internet blogs and stuff like that, and, and other things about the comic book. They're really pushing it, and then there are I think two or three fans this time buying ads on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I'm like, I'm seeing all these ads and I'm going, I didn't pay for these. So I like text it, Ed, did you, did you pay for these? Did you not tell me about this? He's like, no, I didn't fucking pay for those. <laughs> He's like, why <laughs> so, would I do that? <laughs> exactly. It's like, we, we spent our marketing budget back in December. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. It's like so heartwarming. And so it makes you want to work harder and, and want to do everything you possibly can and, uh, to get this book made for the people that you know really really want it, and um, so we're you know doing everything on our end that we know to do, and uh, so you know fingers crossed, uh, six thousand is a lot to raise for a comic, um, because on Kickstarter most comics are just raising money to uh, print books, the book's already done because you know maybe it's the artist or the team of artists. Um, writer and artist and so they're only raising about two to three grand which is uh you know that's our 50 percent mark was three grand and so like to but we're raising money to actually uh pay our artists because we have a fantastic artist in dexter we man is he and, brilliant oh my god he's gonna get stolen anytime jimmy palomioti yeah just started following him on instagram and i'm going Damn it! He's gonna steal Dexter for something. He's going to DC. It looks like. Oh uh, shit! Uh, it, it, I would be incredibly thrilled about that. I'd be like sad. Th- like that's actually please, but that's, please, please put our book in too. But but that's good be because you have somebody who's in your network that's on your team that's in a new in a new position that can help to spread your word too, which is yeah. great. And you know, I look at well that. Real quick Sorry. here, it's okay. I was just gonna say real quick. I just see here Dexter's um, nude variant for book three, and it is yeah. incredible. It's it's mind blowing. It's like when I saw that he first because he he does these things. He's been doing things since the campaign began. He's always doing these like sketches and arts and stuff, and that's why when we came up with the idea of mini sketches. Uh, many prints to add to our rewards because I wasn't going to do prints because they costed um, uh, we did prints on the first campaign and it cost you know a whole bunch of extra dollars for shipping and so that's you had to been, deal with those uh, tube mailers I remember 
Yeah, yeah. And so we didn't do any prints for number two. Um, but then, you know, someone said, well, why don't you do mini prints? I was like, oh, I never thought of it. <laughs> and so we're, we're doing three sets of mini prints, three sets of three mini prints. And that's all, a lot of that is Dexter's doing. Um, and they can just be slid in the normal mailers. Well, anyway, so again, like Dexter, he goes out of his way too. And it's so awesome to be working with someone that really believes in the project. So he's been also creating all these like Instagram, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Well, they're, they're ads, but they're not like paid for ads. They're just pictures that are advertising it. Promos. There we go. I got <laughs> you. Stupid brain. And so he's making all these promos. I think he's made like 10 of them. So I've been, yeah, uh, retweeting those and using them on our own and stuff. And so he's really gone above and beyond um, more than he normally does because he always always does something extra. But then he does uh, this cover and he sends it to me. And damn, if it didn't just punch me in the gut, I'm, I'm just like staring at this thing when he first I, – like, I didn't even type back to him because I was just staring at it for like – I don't forever. And it's like, I have been there. I've been on the floor just screaming in absolute pain while, you know, this, this dark entity was hovering over me, you know, metaphorically speaking. And you captured it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it was like this, I can't wait to put this on a cover. It's, it's beautiful. I told him he has to save that original for me. I'm going to buy it from him one of these days when I get money to do such a thing, but it's exciting uh this can each campaign is is something of its own and this one uh even though it's been a bit of a uphill battle more than maybe the last one was and uh not as bad as the very very first one but it's been so exciting because like people are just coming together and really pushing for this third book and that's really exciting because I can't wait to make it um I keep thinking that I need to go back and we need to do one more draft because that's just how I feel. It's like before we really, 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 you know, get it drawn. I always like to look over it and say, we need one more draft. And this is just, I, this is the, I look, looked at the script for the last few months. I keep having this thought that I need to add something to it. And then I read it again. And I'm going, oh my God, <laughs> there's like nothing I can do to make it better. And so that's really exciting to me and i'm really really hoping that the readers will feel the same way because it uh, uh um what we've discovered is that our our comic series i like to describe as it's kind of like a kitty roller coaster where there's no loop-de-loops yet but it's just kind of up and down up and down so like uh ides of march is like this thrill ride this action-packed little story and then you go into issue number one, and it's just really deep, really character-driven. And then issue two, again, is really, you know, it's uh, mostly action-packed. And uh, the character development was mostly done in the art instead of the words this time. <clears throat> and then issue three, again, gets a little more deeper. And we've introduced um, another ongoing character that I'm excited about. Uh, so, cause like this character is related to special Mike, which is a character in the first book, but you only see him on like page four. He's sitting at the table playing D and D with yeah, his friends. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And, um, 
if you have one of the sketchbooks or go online, you can read more about Special Mike because we have uh, character profiles there on the Blacks to Death Facebook page. So in issue three, and this is a soft spoiler, I suppose, you get to meet Special Mike's dad, who is um, a, a police officer. And uh, him and Ed have a really serious moment there for a second. And then I, uh, I think it's like three or four pages. And then it gets into, you know, Ed just trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. Um, and realizing that that horrible thing that happened in issue two wasn't uh, some sort of desert, you know, dream or, or or dehydration dream fever <laughs> dream or whatever fever dream there thank you so that's, I, this is why i write because when i talk <laughs> i stumble over my words but when i'm writing i can just go to google you're say, like what's, what's that word, word i'm, looking, I'm for? looking for yeah stupid brain of mine uh yeah so crazy stuff man i feel like you just told me that the second book is essentially the suits like kind of backstory and art Without me actually seeing it, that's my guess. There is some of that, yes. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'm all about I'm all about what you guys have going on here, man. Um, I like it. Like the more we delve into what happened on Utopia, the more I get excited about things. Well, yeah, because you're 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 going to be able to start bridging those two worlds together. Yeah, and, and our our plan is to bring it full circle by issue nine. Yeah, because we've uh, been uh, playing around with some of uh, the story arcs and trying to find out what our first volume one trade is going to be. And so I think we got it all figured out now. And there's definitely a full circle thing going on. And I'm really excited about it. You know, what's but, interesting about full circle. I want to huh. mention this. Did you intentionally mean to do this with the dates? Do you know about this? Uh, what dates? Okay, so Black Suit of Death third Kickstarter ends Thursday, April nineteenth of twenty eighteen, which is my birthday. Your Kickstarter for issue one that was successful launched that year on my birthday. So you're ending this one like exactly when you did the first one when it started. That's really weird. It's, uh, by, is, by your laugh, I feel like you didn't know that. No, that's that's coincidence, but sure, let's say it was on purpose. <laughs> it was totally on purpose. Everything I can happens never for remember a reason. my kids' birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow you're like, I remember when I... was born this month, right? <laughs> Maple? What's Maple? I was just guessing if it was March or April, somewhere in there. It's one of those. No, actually, and also... Um, so the 17th, apparently, is uh, tax day, and I didn't realize that either. Oh, yeah. You've got to get that in, and Man. everyone's all – people aren't getting the refunds that they thought they were, and so that's – So that's question, annoying. have you decided or had any um, return on – I know the first book had the like the Black Suit of Death little mini book at the end, the little like light – Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how to describe yeah. that because my words are stumbly right now. See, that's um, how that goes. We we just call it a short story. The short, uh, yeah, yeah. So at the end of Ides, we um, have begun. There's a short story that 
attempts to bridge the gap between, I think it was page 15 and 17 or something like that, because there's this gap of time between when <clears throat> Dr. Sietzen lands on Earth and Kane finds the suit. And so we started exploring what happened during that time. Did Sietzen die on impact or maybe he survived? And we decided he survived and we wrote this little prose story. And we realized there's a lot more story to tell there. So uh, we've actually been working on expanding that. And we think we'll probably end up telling it and continue telling it in prose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, you're all right. Hell yeah. Um, and the idea was to uh, do short stories at the end of each book. But uh, I don't know that we're going to continue that. We didn't do it with uh, – uh, we wanted to do it, but we didn't do it with uh, issue two. And that was um, all about cost, which sadly is always a thing that uh, um, uh, stunts some creativity at times. And so we could – you know, we're like, well, do we add these four pages for these extras, which would be great because we feel kind of bad that it takes a year for the book to come out. But it added um, enough cost, like, you know, I don't know, it was like 10, 15, I don't know, maybe it was even 25 cents more a book or something like that. That it just, we couldn't afford it. And so we just did the comic by itself. And I think we're probably going to have to stick with that. And any of these extras we'll end up doing on the uh, website, blackstudeddeath.com, which there's some short stories on there already. Ed is actually working on. A one much larger story. Uh, there was a character briefly introduced at the end of that uh, Ides of March prose, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was introduced. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. I don't want to give too many spoilers. Um, but Ed is exploring that character on Utopia, and we're um, working on kind of like a, a novel series is kind of where we're thinking it's going to go of what happened to Utopia 1 through 8. And uh, the comic series will explore what happened at the end of Utopia 9 and then on Earth. And so we, we kind of like the idea of uh, telling the story in two different mediums. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. We'll see if other people like it. But, uh, yeah, then there was another short story at the end of BSD number 1, which was originally going to be a zero issue to kind of loosely introduce people to the character of Ed. But I, uh, after struggling trying to get it made for like three or four years, I decided to uh, cancel it and do it in prose. And then the idea came up that, well, Ed Grimes is a college student, and so maybe he's taking a writing course. So this story could be told as a writing 101 story which uh, isn't too unlike some of the uh, stories, essays I wrote in uh, my brief time in college. Oh, <laughs> I like so, that, yeah. So we've we've uh, done with, played with that, and it's at the end of uh, Black Suit of Death number one. And uh, I, it, it's kind of, kind of sad that we didn't get to do that for issue two, but um, we really got to keep a close eye on the budget so we can make sure that we keep making all these books. I mean, it already costs about $4,000 just to make the book. And that's just to do a little print run to cover the backers rewards. 
and then it's cost something like twelve hundred to ship all those. Whoa. And yeah, and then you know, Kickstarter takes takes their cut, which I think is somewhere around six hundred dollars because it's up to ten percent of your goal. Wow. And then there's a few hundred bucks to cover dropped pledges and any uh, surprise expenses like um, uh, shipping prices going up within that year that you're trying to get this done. So it's like 6000 is is really the minimum we can run the Kickstarter for. And I really wish we could, you know, just do it to cover the art <laughs> alone. But uh, um, I, Dexter has to draw this. Like I can't even imagine anyone else drawing it. And just even thinking about someone else drawing it upsets me. <laughs> I think I can only probably name one person you'd be okay with taking over. Uh, there's, there's probably a few I'd be okay with. But, but, I, but no one that could nail him. that style, and that would be David Mack. Because I feel like Dexter and David Mack have a lot of similar technique in their oh, style. Maybe. And how they use watercolor. I'm going to have to do some comparisons and check it out. Oh, for sure, for sure. You'll see it. You'll be like, oh, wow. Especially in how they yeah. do color blending. I love it. Absolutely mm-hmm. great. So if I'm a yeah. backer and I'm like, man, I'm on, going to go and I want to check out Black Suit of Death. Where do, first of all, where do I go? Kickstarter.com backslash Black Suit of Death? Oh. Or is uh, it different this know. time? Or how does that work? So, no, we just, we what we use for Kickstarter, because Kickstarter doesn't provide you with a little short links. And if it did, it would be a bunch of nonsense like they usually are. Okay. Uh, so we um, use our own uh, um, URL that reroutes to the Kickstarter page, and that's fund.blacksuitofdeath.com. Because we own blacksuitofdeath.com, and just creating a rerouting thing is really easy for Ed Ellsworth, my uh, partner in crime here. He's a web developer over in Arizona, so he does he handles all the web stuff. And uh, he just, you know, reroutes it. It's just fund, F-U-N-D, dot blacksuitofdeath.com. So it's pretty easy to remember. It definitely works. I just tested it right yeah. now live on the air. It's <laughs> like, awesome. make sure that works. Okay, so now I'm, I've gone yeah. to the Kickstarter. Okay, yeah. To you, what do you, what's the best bang for your buck if you're, if you're getting in on this Black Suit? This is my first soiree. Obviously, this is not for me. This is for your new people that <laughs> for are... The new people that yeah. just joined in. They're like, oh, man, I really want to get in on this Black Suit of Death. It sounds amazing. There's this great story. Ed Grimes is a crazy character. The suit is yeah. an awesome character. There's so much. There's so many levels of this that I can't wait to to dive deeper into. So what, what do you just tell them? Spend the seven hundred and get the Utopian Guardian package uh, right out the please, gate. Please, three people spend the seven hundred. That would like get us funded instantly. Um, uh, there's a bit of a story to that. I'll let you know later. So okay, so if you're brand new and maybe you just want to start with issue one, well, you can get just issue one or just ides for six bucks but it's plus three dollars in shipping because uh shipping like i said shipping is expensive um but that's not the best this deal so we have um there we go eighteen dollars so nine dollars will get you the digital pack and that has ides of march one two and three plus a digital copy of our second sketchbook which is all of Art's, uh, Dexter Wee's art this time. 
and it's really cool. I highly recommend it. Uh, $18 gets you uh, the four-pack, the print pack. So that has the regular cover for Ides of March 4th edition, uh, Black City Death number one, number two, and number three. And that's actually, that's not that's pretty popular. Hey, both those are 14 backers. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> 14 people wanted the digital and 14 wanted the print. Um, my favorite pack... Like, say if I was backing this, it would probably be the $54 one. Like, if I had just, you know, everyone's talking about how good it is, if I trusted my friends' opinions, that is, then maybe I'd go ahead and get the $54 one. Because that's a, I call it, all the things are mine. And it gets you all the digital books and all the print books, but it also gets you the variants. Uh, so you get the new variant of Ides of March with uh, the original cover from uh, Tony Morgan. He did a cover for us way back in, oh, I don't know, 2010. Wow. I think it was for the first edition, the black and white edition of uh, Ides of March. Um, so we decided to represent that as uh, a virgin cover. And then you get all the covers, all, all the new variants for uh, BSD 1, 2, and 3. You get both covers for the variant. So there is a third cover that uh, was supposed to be getting made uh, this month. And we were really hoping to present it before the end of campaign. But that's not going to happen because I uh, ran out of money in my own pocket. Oh, damn. (laughs) But there is a, a third variant cover that will be made. And it's going to uh, be a parody of uh, Betty and Veronica from Archie. Amazing. And um, we have a fantastic artist for it. I just got to send him a check, basically. (laughs) So it's like I feel horrible because I thought I was going to be able to, you know, pay for it this month. But uh, bills came up uh, and uh, uh, paychecks did not come in. Damn. It all comes down to timing too, man. And, yeah. and things happen how they're supposed to fall. So And so so yeah, so I think I'll, things like that uh have probably hurt this campaign a little bit cuz we the third variant we're not, not going to see it until after the campaigns um preview pages. Uh Dexter uh worked really really hard um to get Black City Death number 2 finished and you need, remember he's now doing all of it he's doing uh, layouts, pencils, inks, and painting, often all at the same time. It's his process is amazing to watch. Uh, but he turns out these beautiful pages. And then he's also doing like all these other books too. And uh, <laughs> he was really pushing himself. So he's, he was uh, uh, kind of straining his muscles a little bit, which I, I feel, I'm going to say I feel his pain. I don't, I don't, I don't draw. I do graphic design on the computer. So I actually, Develop. I had this really cool project at the beginning of the year, um, but the deadline was insane. So I'm like on the computer all the time with my moving my mouse around, typing, moving my mouse around. And I developed a tennis elbow from that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. So I have this brace on my arm and I look ridiculous. And I'm like, why, why do you hurt? How do you hurt your elbow? Uh, I play sports. Yeah. Yeah, sure I was out. I, I was out making tennis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was not doing tennis. I, I was doing the tennis. Have you ever done uh, tennis? I was doing tennis, and it was good. 
And the next thing I knew, my arm was in pain, and I was done doing tennis. Can I just yeah, also doctors. mention to our listeners that they're not getting boobies in your... Co- well, I mean, there might be boobs in your comics, but I more oh. mean these covers, so- these nude variants. <laughs> nude <laughs> means without baby. text, textless, as it were. M- so, I've been told that I'm supposed to call them virgin covers. Oh, yes, the virgin variant, absolutely. Yeah, but I... Maybe I'm just a, a dirty old pervert or something. But when I hear virgin covers, I think of someone you throw into a volcano to appease the gods. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I've been calling them nude covers. But uh, my friends keep saying, no, they're virgin variants. Call them right things. It's like, I can't. It feels dirty. Oh, I don't care what um, you call them. I just think they're amazing you No, know, they're gorgeous. So the ones we had printed up for the last campaign... I went ahead and um, spent a little bit extra on those. and I don't know. Again, maybe I shouldn't because I'm supposed to be watching my budget. But I want to give my backers the best. So I uh, got the glossy covers, glossy pages, and everything. And so I get these back, and they're just – they feel premium. They feel like a masterpiece because, one, you got this beautiful, amazing art by Dexter on the cover. And um, then you open up inside, and – I feel now that I see it, the best way to present Dexter's art is in glossy. So I think we're going to um, try to find a way to continue doing that. Uh, definitely for these uh, Virgin variant covers. But I really want to kind of see if we can't um, scrape up enough extra money to do the regular books in uh, this high gloss paper because it just presents the art so much better. Helps to make his colors really pop, I'm guessing. Oh, very much so. It's incredible just to see the differences. It's it's like the difference between uh, CMYK on the computer and RGB on the computer, if you know uh, anything about coloring. Oh, oh yes. And stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's huge because CMYK on the computer will look really dark because it's not, you know, made for computer screens. It's made for printing, and so it'll print uh, different – it'll print correctly – but I don't know. It's <laughs> talk to a nerd about it. I'm a geek. They'll tell uh, you all about it. Damn I know it. my job. I don't know how it works. <laughs> That's uh, super well said. Yes. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I just can't explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Not possible. Well, I'm looking forward to so, yeah, everything that you guys are doing with black suit of death. Uh, I want to say that, you know, I feel like you guys are going to, I mean, not to, I'm going to like knock on wood here, but I feel like you guys, <laughs> you guys are going to make this one happen. And I know it seems like it's a tight squeeze right now, but I believe in it, man. And we've got a lot of people, like I said, that really enjoy what you guys are doing yeah. over there. And uh, it's a creative story. I have said probably since day one that someday this thing is going to get made into a, a movie. And hopefully I narrate that movie somehow or a TV series <laughs> like, you know, the underlying voice that tells the story of doom, because I feel like ultimately Black Suit of Death has a lot of doom coming. Like, I feel like in a brilliant way, it's kind of what makes the, the story. Grim Reaper. Of course, there's doom. <laughs> I mean, right. That it, if, if, if you missed them, if it was like all flowers and sunshines, people would be very confused at what you're trying to tell here. <laughs> Crack open the book. Flowers and sunshines episode or. Not episode, comic book, just, just like uh, issue, issue, chapter. I don't know. Just one panel, man, where the suit's just like going through Teletubby land or something, chopping oh, off Teletubby heads. Chop off their heads. 
you just chop them up. Exactly. Die, you imbeciles. But then he's just still holding a flower people. is the thing. Like, he's still holding the flower, but oh, he's he still... Oh, he stops and smells the roses. He appreciates flowers. Wait, does the suit that, that, have a that's nose? True. That's actually true. Okay. The suit, or, well, the inventor of the suit, he does appreciate flowers big time. See? It's all very, built in. Flora is very important to him. Man. Aha, that's an Easter egg. You ought to read issue two to see what I'm talking about. Ooh. I don't know. But yeah, it is. It is, it is actually something that is as part of Sietzen's character is his, his connection to flowers. So, doom, boom, boom, go find it. Uh. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, BSD would stop and smell the roses. Well, and then chop people up. <laughs> let's stop, stop smelling the roses. I don't, that's a double negative. I think that, I guess that means we're starting to smell the roses here. But uh, we're going to move forward with our show. You're going to help me out here a little bit because I'm going to throw a little bit of comic book world news your way. And we're going to dish on that a little bit. And as always, guys, just want to mention it again. You're going to hear it a couple times throughout the episode. Fund.blacksuitofdeath.com. Go there. That's their Kickstarter. If you can, give the 54 tier honestly those ver- those virgin covers or nude variants or whatever the hell you want textless cover variants whatever you want to call them are stellar just to reiterate that again the art is amazing the story is amazing you guys don't want to miss out on it no you do not yeah okay so <laughs> i'm gonna throw let's say okay did you see did you guys uh, get a chance to check out that black panther flick twice oh what did you think I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, every movie has its flaws, and I kind of I, I stopped nitpicking about ten years ago or something, and just like decided I was gonna just go to a film and enjoy it. I think and it just so, depends. Like, sometimes I'm like that. Like sometimes I'm like, man, I don't want to nitpick this shit. But then other times I'm like, no, Walking Dead. She did not just pull that giant ass board <laughs> off with her bare fucking hands after I just watched Rick use a hammer and take fifteen minutes to get four nails out of that. Michonne right. does not have those kind of hands. Sorry. Anyways, I digress. Um, she owns a fucking samurai. Of course she does. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to say real quick that some numbers came yeah. in. Of course, we're at the point now where um, Black Panther is about to be released digitally, and then it'll come out, um, yeah. uh, you know, physical release. I think that's the first week of May. It's like May 8th, May 15th is when that comes it's out. It's crazy because it's still in the theater, and they're already talking about its release. It's like, oh, that's just crazy. Here's some stats for you. Globally, Go it's made it. one mil. How do I even say this? <laughs> one. You put put your pinky to the edge of your lips. <laughs> shave your head bald. Get some funny glasses, a hairless cat, scientist suit, and then you can say it. One hundred billion dollars. I don't know. Is that reference too old? No, 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 no. Come on now. Austin Powers is not too old. $100,000. What? That's nothing, man. I know. It's crazy. One trillion dollars. Okay, yeah, man. I loved Austin Powers. Um, It was great. Oh, it was great. The sequels, eh, they were fun, but the first one was just absolutely brilliant. Anyways, Black Panther has hit how much? Like, um... It looks like right now it has hit, if my math is right, one billion three hundred and three million point two globally, and Isn't that's that crazy. And that's split up six hundred sixty seven uh, six hundred sixty seven point two million domestic and six hundred thirty six million internationally. 
It's amazing. I mean, it just smashed box office numbers here. Uh, A-plus cinema score, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, third biggest release of all time. Uh, first film in eight years to spend five weeks at number one. Eight years. Think about that. That's 2010's yeah. the last time that happened. Uh, yeah. It made a, a second all-time in a four-day holiday weekend, only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens. Biggest February debut of all time. Fifth uh, debut Friday through Sunday, because, of course, they had that Monday, which was the extra day. Biggest Monday yeah. of all time. Uh, biggest second weekend, only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens, number one superhero movie of all time. Um, it was number one for first four weeks in virtually all markets. Uh this movie has kicked so much ass. It is absolutely insane. And uh, that kind of leads into my next thing, man. With Black Panther coming out, you said you loved it. How excited are you now to, to I mean, uh, you know, Infinity War is right around. I mean, we're 13 days away. I know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but angry because... <laughs> My next definite paycheck isn't until the first. Oh, and I'm no. like, I can't see an opening day. I've been pouting around the house. My wife's like, dude, you'll see it. Just chill. But not on the first day. You just right. got to. Um, Poor family. You just have to tell me that you can sell me a variant cover of one of your comics. And then I'll just we can just make that happen. Then you can go see the movie. <laughs> right. That's how that works. Like tit sure. for tat there. Uh, but, uh, yeah. no, man, I'm so stoked for Infinity War. This, this, you know, this is the culmination of the MCU. We've been covering it here on, uh, the Journey into Comics Patreon, where, you know, for three bucks, people get, uh, exclusive content, which is the road to Infinity War, where we've been talking about all these movies, yeah. reviewing them one by one and picking them apart, finding where Stan is and talking about after credits and all that shit. So, you know, we're stoked on this. Now, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was a boyfriend who put on a text to his to his girlfriend about seeing the movie. Have you seen this yet? I I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, so the boyfriend to the girlfriend, Friday, April 27th, 8 p.m., Infinity War. You going with me? I just ordered two tickets. She responds, yes, dear. Then he goes on to lay down some ground rules. I'm going to read these ground rules as this was a viral tweet that is just too hilarious to pass up. I haven't seen that one. He How says, I miss that one? He says right. okay. Here are the ground rules. Number one, I'll buy you whatever you want before the movie. Candy, popcorn, drinks, even a hot dog. But you can't ask for anything during the movie. No talking during the movie. I can't be distracted. You got questions? <laughs> Write them down. I'll answer them when it's over. Number three, no holding hands. It'll distract me and I'll miss things I've waited 10 years to see. Save your cooties until post-post-credit scenes. Kissing also applies. He goes on to say, uh, number four, if a main character cries, we cry together. If you ain't crying, you walking home. I need you invested <laughs> in this. <laughs> number five, if you cancel this movie date, I'll need 24 hours notice so that I may replace you with a suitable viewer. Most likely Johnny. If you cancel last minute and I have to watch alone, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. Number six, if a crazy white guy wants to come up in the theater trying to ruin the movie by shooting at people, I need you to take him down quickly and keep him under control. Wait until after the movie to call the police. I don't need the commotion interrupting the movie. Oh, my God. 
He says, follow all the okay, following all the rules will warrant a trip to your favorite ice cream place after the movie. Any questions? And she just gave a like what the fuck emoji. Like, really? <laughs> really? So yeah, that just hit the internet the other day and I saw that and I was like, Oh my god, oh. we kinda have to cover that on our show is weird and typically not the kind of news we cover. But I totally get that, man. Like no, I'm that's so stoked. brilliant. Yeah. What's what's my wife would totally understand that. Except that she 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 has rules for me. She like tries to like control my geeking out. She like tells me not to talk to her during the film because I'm always like, "Oh my god, did you catch that Easter egg? Do you know who that is?" Like, uh, I'm like the only one in this whole freaking area that caught. Um, oh no, I'm forgetting his name. Lloyd Kaufman in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he's the head of uh, Troma Studios. Yeah. And um, because uh, Gon came from Troma. And he's like the first successful director to come from Troma. <laughs> only <laughs> and, successful, right? Only. Yeah, only that I know of. <laughs> uh, um, Wasn't so he it's, one it's of the Ravagers? Awesome. No, he was one of the prisoners. Oh. Was, uh, during the riot, he was up on the balcony. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, just look for an old man. You'll, you'll you should see him. <laughs> Wait, first Guardians, not second. First one, yeah. First. My fault. I was thinking about the second movie. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, okay. So yeah, Lloyd Kaufman is definitely in the first one. Um, no, man, I'm super stoked for Infinity War. Uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to the Guardians interacting with the Avengers. What do you think about all this nonsense with Hawkeye? <laughs> the Hawkeye posters are brilliant. I love them. I'm more asking where uh, the F is he? Why is he not in any of these trailers? Do you have any thoughts on this? I don't know because the end of um was a civil was it civil war? No, it was uh shoot. War, which movie was it? Wasn't it Civil War where his family was introduced? Or was that Avengers 2? See, uh, it was Avengers two for sure. To, it was definitely Avengers I need two. To, I need to rewatch that. It was definitely Age of Ultron because they're on the farm to get away because right. it's the only place that doesn't have internet. And then Fury and is hiding no behind the John it. Deere because right. Fury's a fucking sneaky little bitch like that. <laughs> oh, I need I you to go that. out and check on my tractor, Tony. It's not a tractor. It's a fucking Nick Fury. <laughs> A rogue fury appears. Rogue fury. Random fury. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe he's just, just retired. Well, yeah, you would think that, but I think that's got to be kind of Or is some... he going to be the one that gets killed? Okay, well, if you're if you're going by what the Infinity Gauntlet comic book did, he's one of the Avengers that gets blinked out of existence um, when yeah. Thanos snaps his fingers, so maybe... Uh, also you could look at it. Maybe he's on his own quest to find the soul stone. We still don't know where that's at. You could ask maybe is he going to not be doing anything like you said, cause he is retired, but then he'll be the guy that saves everybody in the next movie because he wasn't a part of the shit that got went down with Thanos. And he's like the only dude that can just be like, Oh, this is very messed up right now. Let me fix this. Follow my training, follow my training, don't fuck it up. You know, and also you gotta think, Hawkeye was in jail the last time we saw him. 
Yeah. Well, actually, Cap freed all of them. You're led to believe him and Pym and not Pym, uh, Scott Lang and Scarlet Witch and Falcon are all freed from the raft there at the end of Civil War. So, uh, da, 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 da. do you, what do you think about this Stan Lee news, man? What are you hearing about this? Oh, I don't know. It is such an incredible mess. So what I understand about uh, his personality is he's just like overwhelmingly nice guy. He doesn't often say no. Um, and it sounds like that's gotten him into some trouble. What's confusing to me is um, that his caretaker, what was his name, Max something, that he was fired. And it seems like everyone that knew Stan and knew Max knew felt that guy was the best to, you know, help Stan navigate everything. If, if he needed help to navigate stuff, I don't know. He's 95. So probably I would guess so. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need someone to help me at 75. <laughs> Shit. I'm looking at 50 going, Nope, not a chance. <laughs> and so like, I'm, I'm really concerned. Uh, his videos that he does that he's done since, well, the two, He's done one when he had pneumonia, and then the one where he says, you know... He's going to sue your ass off? Yeah. And I was like, those, they come off as hostage videos. Yes, like somebody is making him say them. Yeah. Exactly what I thought, man, when I saw them. I was like, this is fucking weird. Like, he's reading from cue cards. Like, they're making him... It's really weird. And then you saw the video where, like, he, they had to tell him how to spell his name. Yeah. If you have to tell a person how to spell their name to write their name down when signing something to a fan, you shouldn't be doing it. Sorry. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a human thing. And if I was in line and saw that, I would literally tell everybody, no, we should be done here. This is stupid. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, one thing, I, the reason I kind of brought the Stanley stuff up is because this chap, the, the, it's like last week we covered the fact that his blood got stolen and then ended up uh, oh showing up on comics in Las Vegas. So creepy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it who looks like. Who does that shit? Well, I think they have an idea of who did it, actually. Yeah. Uh, TMZ dropped a story that Stanley is suing Gerardo Oliveras, his ex-business manager. Accusations point to him being the perpetrator of the much-publicized misuse of Lee's money, a story which began to circulate last fall. Among the alleged crimes, Oliveras is said to be the person who purchased nearly a million dollars worth of real estate in Lee's name, in addition to stealing nearly $300,000 from him. Taking things even further, it is alleged he is also the man who pushed one of Lee's live-in nurses to extract a copious amount of the icon's blood, which ended up being used to sign some Black Panther comics that popped up on sale in Las Vegas. With this latest development, we now arrive at two conflicting stories about what is going on with Lee. One hand, Lee has claimed the reports of his misfortune are being exaggerated and skewed. But then on the other hand, months and months of insidious reports all seem to culminate with the assertion that Oliveras was at the heart of the uh, concerted effort to scam Lee out of money and or take advantage of his age. And, of course, this is still not done, but they are essentially saying that he can implicate three men with bad intentions. Um Man, this is yeah. This shit's crazy. It really is. You know, he's ninety-five years old. He has one daughter, I guess. Who, depending on what reports you hear, either is an okay lady or she's batshit crazy and has abused Stan's money her whole life. Um, two very conflicting stories. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, where's the truth? And I'm sure it probably lies somewhere in the middle. It often does, but it's just heartbreaking because he's. 
and I feel there's others that will argue with me, but I feel that he's giving given us a lot, and he's given a lot of himself uh, back to the fans and what he created and what he co-created and everything that he's done to see has been you know for the most part has been positive and i know he's made a few shitty decisions back in the day um jack kirby fans love to remind you of those but, oh uh, yeah <laughs> it's like you know they were both great can't they both be great they both you know whatever why do we have to look at the dark it. shit damn it yeah because he's done a lot of positive stuff and no one's free from making bad decisions we've all made bad decisions i'm sure there's at least one person we've treated shitty and you know most of us most humans will regret doing that and i think that uh he probably has plenty of regrets uh like 95 come on that's a long time to live (laughs) oh yeah but i don't know every time i see it it's just it it breaks my heart i have uh, i got to meet him at uh rose city comic-con a few years ago and uh, my oldest daughter, uh, bless her heart, she bought a ticket for me to um, uh, get a photo with him. I thought it was a ticket just to get a signature on something. Yeah. I was like, no, oh, that's pretty cool. They'll probably just rush me through the line, but whatever. And then uh, then she goes, you know, look at it again. And it was a picture for a photo with him. I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. And so, you know, it was like 10 or 11 seconds that you get to have with the guy <laughs> to get your photo taken. But it was still, he was, uh, I asked him if I could shake his hand. And he goes, yeah, let's do it for, for the photo. I was like, oh, my God, that's Stanley's voice. He's talking to me. <laughs> you were totally fangirling <laughs> out. Stan. And so we get this picture. And I walk out of there. And I swear to God, this is probably my, my worst starstruck moment in my entire life. I, I, I f- like almost hyperventilating. I'm like bent over trying to catch my breath. And I'm like, I got to fucking think cause I met Stanley. <laughs> 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 and it's, uh, so ridiculous, but you know, I, so I have that, uh, picture above my uh, desk, um, kind of just as a ri- reminder to, uh, keep going and live your dream kind of thing. Cause, uh, there I have like voices in my head telling me not to. Well, man, remember <laughs> you got to think Stanley was about to quit Marvel when he created the Fantastic Four. You know, yeah. he was literally yeah, saying, "This is what yeah. the fuck I want to do, and if it doesn't work, so be it." And the yep. MCU is on his back. I mean, and everything Kirby, we live in. Kirby wasn't Kirby like in his forties. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they weren't young. Yeah, young it's like cats. I'm forty. Come on, You're, Jack and Stan did it. <laughs> man, people don't hit their prime until their mid thirties, you know, forties. Yeah, it's that's it's very the true. truth. You There's know, so many incredible creators out there that, yeah, they hit their prime about you know late thirties. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember this writer's name who wrote a bunch of really famous classic books from back in uh, around Hemingway's time. But he was he was fairly old when he finally. Uh, his books start getting recognized, but yeah. So, uh, I see the stuff going on with San- Stan, and I, I I see my picture, and just my heart breaks. Oh, it's funny you say that the, that your heart breaks from Kevin Smith. This is heartbreaking. Yeah. We love you at the real Stanley. You are always welcome to come live with me, or please let us fans buy you a new place to live. We miss you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, that's uh, K. Yeah. Smith obviously reaching out to him. Interesting. I actually also met Stan Lee, but not in a fan setting at all. Uh, really? I was at C2E2 a few years ago. This was probably 2013, we'll say. And I'm an artist alley. <clears throat> And I'm an artist alley, and I think I just got done hanging around and talking with David Mack for a bit, and I was bouncing around. I might have been near Tony Moore's table or Greg Pack or somebody. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Nathan Sidem. I'm not. It was one of those guys were in artist alley at C2E2, and I rounded the corner to go back to their table, and Stan is standing at their table with like four bodyguards, and I was like oh. inches from him, just like. <gasps> <laughs> and I was just like, hey, Stan. And that's all I said. And he was like, hey. And then he just went on and he did his thing, you know, and that was it. So, like, I feel you. And it was totally, you know, it's a different experience. But it's like it you don't even know what to do. You're, like, inches away from this, like, legendary icon that's done so yeah. much. I mean, done. I mean, literally most of my house is littered with things he created, <laughs> you know, and I use littered yeah. not sparingly because literally there's just all over the place. I mean, there are tune tumblers with Adam Warlock and professor Xavier and Spider-Man <laughs> and on the fridge, I've got magnets of, you know, Spider-Man like <laughs> in a whole comic room dedicated to like half of everything he did, you know? So man, yeah, I, it's sad because it's like at this point, Stan is probably looking for his peace, I guess is the way to say that, if he really is going through this trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if we get to the bottom of what's really going on, and I don't know if things resolve in a positive light, but I really fucking hope so. You know, like, man. And of course, then my other question is like, what if the end of Infinity War is them like backing out and Stan is just chilling like and it was just a thought in his head the whole thing the entire yeah. the entirety of the MCU was just a flash in his vision and, and also I want to mention that somehow they accidentally let it slip that Ant-Man might be in Infinity War although I've not seen him in a single trailer but of course he is as small as an ant so maybe we can't see him yeah maybe <laughs> is Ant-Man the John Cena of the MCU because we can't see him I'm going to actually tweet that to question. Paul Rudd. I'm going to be like, hey, man, are you the John Cena of the MCU because people can't see you in any of the trailers? <laughs> I would totally tweet that. I'm going to probably do that like as soon as we're off air here at some point. But, uh, man, we were, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about Gotham. And I know you don't watch, yeah. but, oh, my I want Lord. To. Oh, it's so good. Uh, they... Uh, I'm not going to really explain how or why or what, but they finally, 18 episodes into the fourth season, uh, introduced the Joker. And, yeah. oh, like everything they've been building, the story they've been building, Edward Nigma's story to the Penguin story to how they evolve and have Scarecrow in the story now and Poison Ivy's in the story and Mad Hatter's a part of this thing and Freeze is there and Firefly. It's like, man, Gotham is... Literally saying, okay, so our movies might not be perfect, folks, but we know what we're doing with our TV. Yeah, well, a lot of fans, I've seen a lot of complaints about Gotham. But then, you know, what little bit I, I, I read these days about uh, the show, it sounds like I don't read anything. Um, <clears throat> I spend too much time reading about shows that I aren't 
that my life doesn't present an opportunity to watch right now. And Fair enough. It sounds really, really cool. Like some of the things they've done and some of the secrets. And I've been able to avoid, uh, I think, most uh, spoilers. But uh, there's a few things I, I'm, I'm aware of. And when I finally get to see the show, I'm sure I'll like, oh, yeah. But I don't think it'll hurt the show at all. So it sounds like they are doing a pretty good job. Yeah, but it's man. It's interesting that there's a lot of naysayers out there. It's weird I mean, I because I think that the show was built to fail. Everyone's like, oh, how the fuck can you do a fucking Batman without Batman? That's stupid. And yeah. then you watch the show, and episode one, season one, it kicks you in the teeth right out the gate. It's like action-packed, full of full of energy and life and whatnot. And then by the time you finish the first season, they've given you so many different emotions. You've been through so many things. Fish Mooney, the like early <laughs> evolution of Ed Nigma and Penguin. And then you go into season two and all those characters just evolve even more. And it's like when you think they can't ramp shit up anymore, they're like, no, 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 no. You thought we were at 11. We were only at six. Let's go to 11. And then they hit 11 and you're like, holy fuck, they're at 11. And they're like, no, we were just bullshit. And that's only our seven. Let's keep going. And they keep doing it, you know? So, like, now we're at a point where they've done so much that you have, like, this insane amount of villains as a part of Gotham's actual cast. And Bruce, who is trying to find his place and actually do some good, and we're inching ever closer to him actually becoming Batman. And when that moment actually happens, I think... I don't think this show's going to be over. I feel like a lot of people say that, but this show is really great. It gets great ratings. The story's really well done. You know, I I understand there are probably some naysayers and some haters that don't get some things. They do make some creative changes that are a little bit different and outside of the box. But overall, yeah. man, this story is it's well done. You know, it puts a nice bow on everything all the time. That's cool. That's good to hear. Um, so speaking of shows that I don't always get to watch. Oh, yeah. What one? Ash, Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, I don't watch that show yet. Everyone Don't and their mom. Okay, so there. Everyone and their mom is like, "You need to watch Ash versus the Evil Dead," and I'm like, "Yes, I know. I'm well aware. I want to. <laughs> Haven't done it. I'm yet. really enjoying it. And that one, I did actually stay up late night. I'd wake myself up to go watch my wife to watch it too. So like, I got work in the morning. Do whatever you want. <laughs> You're like, she's okay, cool. Like, I'm actually gonna go watch. She's a sweetheart, <laughs> but. So I watched the first season and loved it, and um, I am behind uh, because uh, I'm really glad that it's on Netflix now. But So I'm in the middle of season two, and it's really, really good. And then I started reading reports that uh, season three might be the last one, that it might uh, get canceled because the ratings aren't there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How are the ratings not there? <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Is it because it's on Stars? And, you know, Stars is like the bastard child of Showtime and HBO. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, because I feel like every person I talk to raves about that show. Like, Ash vs. the Evil Dead always is talked about as, like, really well-written, really smart comedy slash horror, you know. Obviously, yeah, everything that Bruce Campbell brings. My name is Bruce is one of – or I am Bruce. What is the name of that movie? My name is Bruce. No, my name is Bruce. It is yeah. My Name is Bruce. Oh, one God, of my I favorite movies. Hilarious. Yeah. God, he goes to a small town and they think he's a hero and he's not a hero. He's just a schlub <laughs> yeah. from Hollywood who fucking hates everybody. I love that. And I love the story behind that movie, too. How was how they just ended up making it on his property here in Oregon. Hey, shout out to Oregon. By the way, man, do you know you have like etched a 
deep cut into the journey into comics lore and history here. Okay. Oh, really? 41. <laughs> so. 41 episodes. For 41 yeah. episodes, I have been telling people to fill their brains with shit. <laughs> that is our slogan officially. Like we have a t-shirt we're that. working I on. That. Fill your things with shit. Yeah. yeah. Fill your brain with shit, man. You have to. Yeah. You, you, you just got to open up your dome. Of course, when I say that, like, and I was trying to explain to people like, what do you, what do you mean? Fill your brain with shit. You want me to put feces in my brain? No, I don't want you to put <laughs> shit in your brain. I want you to fill your brain with useless knowledge that I know, like the first appearance of Spider-Man or the first appearance of Thor or, you know, whoever, you know, yeah. I, that that's the kind of useless shit you need to know. Or like, who won the 1992? Who won the 1992 World Series? You'll yeah. be shocked to find out the answer was nobody. It's the year of baseball strike and no one won. They didn't play. <laughs> Fuckers. That's how much I know. <laughs> you know. But all right, man. Well, uh, you know, I think we've we've done a, a great job so far today. Was there anything else you wanted to throw my way before we wrap it up here today? Um, fund.blackstudedeath.com. Hell yeah, go back to it. <laughs> Tell them why you're here. Uh, uh, searching for 2400 more dollars so I can make the next issue of the Blacks to the Death, a science fiction take on the Grim Reaper mythos. Our protagonist is a depressed college student struggling to figure out life and uh, failing. And then he decides to go off into the desert and end his life because not unlike his creators, he deals with depression and with depression, really bad depression, clinical depression. There's the suicidal demon on your back all the time. So we tell his story is our story as well. And uh, with that, I also want to remind all your listeners that even if you have these demons in your mind telling you you're worthless you're not worthy no one loves you that's bullshit you are worthy you're worthy of love you're worthy of your existence live life fight back don't listen to those shitty voices go out and create something make something wonderful that's that's my philosophy that's what i'm attempting to do um i've been very very lucky that uh We've had Kickstarter backers to help us live our dreams and everything. And hey, if this schlub here can do it, I'm pretty sure you all can do it because you probably work harder than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't don't undersell yourself now, damn it, bro. But I mean, uh, you no, know, I I like to think I'm a hard worker. Honestly, I'm also stay at home dad, and it's like stay at home dad. You don't do anything. It's like, are you kidding me? Raising kids is like the hardest job in the world. Word. Plus all the other stuff you do as a single parents out there, you know, word mad love to single parents. My dad raised me by himself and, and I, you know, I'm not single parenting, but you know, stay at home, dad. I know what you're saying. Appreciation. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, totally. Totally. I vibe you. I vibe you for sure. You know, one thing I always say, Ben, man, is your guys's story and your particularly your story and journey and your message has always been such an uplifting thing. You know, you've been through some real shit and you've seen some shit. And you're like one of the most upbeat, positive dudes, even when you probably are struggling to be that dude. And I really like think today. that you are a, a really. <laughs> oh man, Kickstarter always kicks me in the ass because it's a roller coaster ride. And totally. So you try to keep upbeat because that's that's how I want to live my life. I don't want to be that 
guy I used to be. <laughs> I feel you. That, you know, was like, oh, life sucks. I was like, well, life is hard. It doesn't suck. That's pretty awesome. <clears throat> and but, uh, if it's if know. it's not hard, it's not worth it. You know. That's what I am teaching my kids. Is like, why are you guys doing this? This is easy. Go do something hard. You'll feel the value in it. You know, if it's easy, why are you wasting your time? <laughs> no, you should put. You should Unless put... it's a video game. Give me an easy video game. I'll waste my time with that. You're like, yes, I can beat this one with no drama. <laughs> Woo! Exactly. <laughs> Oh, shit, man. All right. Well, uh, as always, folks, you can check out the Journey Into Comics show here, our flagship show, every Monday on the Journey Into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com. We are 13 weeks away from episode 200, and I cannot wait for that event. Um, That is so cool. I'm I'm so happy for you. Like, you guys were able to do the show and um, podcasting. There's something that's a challenge. And it's really cool that you have been able to like make goals and you didn't issue or excuse me, issue. I'm thinking come show 100 and now you're on the verge of 200. That's just, that's kick ass, man. Oh man. And and with much bigger plans in store, you know, it's crazy. We actually, I I was going to touch on that today because you have now dabbled in the world of podcasting. I did. Well, did you like it? It's, it's, it's on hiatus. Uh, I loved it. What I didn't, the reason it's on hiatus is because I, I suppose whatever perfectionism I might have gets in the way. I say, um, a lot and I clear my throat uh, a little more than I like to. And it gets picked up by the microphone cause I don't have a proper mic. And so I'll spend like, uh, 16 hours editing, uh, a 40 minute, 45 minute show. And it was just taking up too much time and, so I tried letting some of those little things go, and it still just took up more time than I was able to put in, and I felt like it was taking time away from my kids, and work already takes a lot of time away from them. So until I can find someone to help produce it, I think it'll be on hi- hiatus. Man. But it was really fun because I got to interview Dave Gibbons, Oh wow! From so wow from Watchmen, yeah. Holy shit! How Dave Gibbons? What? Uh, He was at um, Rose City Comic Con up in Portland, and I didn't have a table that year. I think yeah, this was last year, and he was at the uh, uh, not not the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, but the other one. There's like there's two yeah I know uh, charities that help out comic creators, and this one has a green banner. That's all I can remember right now. (laughs) I don't maybe it was I don't know. Anyway, so he was there, you know, uh, supporting the charity and helping gather donations, and no one was in line. It was like, what is going on? This is Dave Gibbons. Like Neil Adams was there, and I was like, I don't give a I don't give a crap. Dave Gibbons is here, (laughs) so (laughs) I went and sat down and started talking to, talking to him and he's just a really cool guy and so i got a little bit bold i pulled up my phone and i asked can i record a short interview with you i'm starting this podcast and we're trying to you know get some interviews and he's like oh yeah sure no problem except he said it with that beautiful british accent he has oh. <laughs> like, talk, i fell in love with him i swear <laughs> and uh, so I get to interview him for this, and it took us about a month to get it posted. But 
that that was like the highlight of my podcasting career and it was really cool i hope to get back to doing a show but like i said i'm gonna need um an editor or somebody or somebody to help me navigate some of the technical aspects because i just with uh graphic design god if you only knew somebody who ran a podcast network it's like i don't know some pointers or something (laughs) i mean they don't call me the pod father for nothing here let me i'm just gonna call you you the pod father they really do call me the pod father well yeah because all the shows kind of started because of my show so i kind of got this huge network now i kind of spawned all these babies out in podcast land you know (laughs) but uh it's really interesting to talk to you off the air about this (laughs) i can tell i could give you one tiny piece of advice on air that i give all of my podcast creators and that's just be yourself in podcasting if you say um fucking 30 million times you're gonna figure (laughs) out at some point how to break yourself of that habit it doesn't come down to editing it i get that i used to be in that habit but, you know, my mm-hmm. thing was authenticity. People want me, the person. They don't give a shit about the idiosyncrasies of how I talk. If I say um too many times, it might affect the episode. They might be like, oh, God, all I can notice is him umming every 30 seconds. If it's incessant <laughs> and it's that bad, I vibe you. But you just have to learn, like, it, it takes just being in the know and present and going, okay, if I'm going to – because everybody's thought is if I'm not speaking on a podcast, there can't be silence. But watch this. There was silence on my podcast. Nothing Don't happened. Do that again. <laughs> but not, but nothing happened. Nothing changed. And you didn't have to say um there. Right? Right. Right. You compose your thought, you think about it, and then you get it out. And that's the only really that's the only thing I can give anybody as advice is just be authentically you. Whatever that means. At the end of the day, that's what people want, and that's what's going to draw people to you as a person. It's not if you're robotic and go, oh, here are my facts from the podcast, and I can (laughs) read you all of my notes that I slaved over, and then I can hear all the edits where you cut out all your ums or whatever. You know, I'm not saying I heard that for you. I'm just that's just a a good example of like how how that can really create a drastic. The last episode was edited really quickly, and you can tell where the cuts were made. It was like, oh my goodness, but yeah. We're hoping to – we'd really like to get it because my buddy and I, uh, Adam Watson of Darkslinger Comics. Yeah, shout out Adam. The, the co-host, yeah. And um, we have this like great rapport, and it really sucks that we're uh, – we both live in Oregon, but we're about an hour's drive away from each other. And you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to just go hang out with your friend when they're an hour away. Oh, I know. Not, Brando's an not, hour and a yeah. half away. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it, like, wait a minute. It's like I'm talking to someone who knows. <laughs> so we're doing this podcast, and I think it was really healthy for our friendship because we do. We have, like, this natural rapport we always have ever since we first met way back in, oh, gosh, I don't know, 2008 at Olympia Comic Fest in Washington. And uh, we just hit it off, like, right away. It was weird. as I, I like to – joke about how that scene in Step Brothers where they go, did we just become best friends? Yeah, I think we did. It was very much like that. It was just bam. It was so weird. Instantly but, uh, life mates. Yep. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you, you were distributing very good advice. Well, man. Um, and all things, just, just be yourself. Just try to relax. And I know it's hard because I, I struggle with that a lot. Uh, you know, I find there are different ways to alleviate yourself from the anxiety of podcasting. Uh-huh. I, honestly, doing it for as many as I've done, I don't care. Like, I, I, I think that's a hold on. 
That's a bad way to say it, folks. I care and I love this network, but I'm not afraid to fuck up on air because I can't undo it. Like in my terms, once I've done the podcast, I can't undo my words. Once in a while, I might go through and be like, oh man, there was a moment when Brandon and I were talking and then for some reason there was a weird connection issue and I'll have to like bullshit some silence out to make it all line up right. You know, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it's it's real, it's raw, it's what you're hearing today. Uh, you know, and that that just again, it just speaks to being you and not and not being concerned with all the other stuff. Um, and and it's a growing process, man. You got a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and I, I'm I'm proud as a fan of your comic to watch what you guys have been able to attain in just a short time. You know, this uh, Black Suit of Death has been at least uh, invading the Journey into Comics podcast since <laughs> 2015. So, um, you know, yeah. it's 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 oh, been a wow, long time, really? man. It's really been three years. Yeah, yeah your first appearance wow. was like 90. And that was the oh first appearance of Black Suit of Death. And the second time we had you and Ed on together. I think that was... Was that before my youngest was born? I think. No, no. Okay, hang on. I, I think he I'm was newborn. No, he was almost a year. Yes. That's yes. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because he's so huge now. So then we did the return of the Black Suit of Death. That was when you guys were prepping to launch issue one, and we had Ed on finally, and that was a cool interview yeah. experience. And then we had you on for two. And then now we're having you back for three. And, um, you know, like I said, you permanently have changed my show, and people will always know to fill their brains with shit thanks to you. So, <laughs> um, congrats to you for, for making history in that regard, at least. But, uh, that's awesome. I am really hopeful. <laughs> that's and I cool wa- that you kept that up. You said you were going to, and you did. That's awesome. I, I never gave it up. Not even, I think maybe I might have missed it, like, on episode 150, because that whole day was just a fucking rigmarole mess of what the fuck. <laughs> we did, like, four podcasts in a row and then filmed the 150 and then the footage never got aired we never worked on it you never aired the footage no that's a that's a curse with brando i remember listening to the show but that's a curse for brando and i uh we did this taste test early on in journey into comics and i won the taste test and that footage just miraculously never came to light because footage went missing so it was incomplete, so no reason to put right. incomplete footage out. And then 150, he's like, I got that fucking green screen in there, and I don't want to mess with it, so I'm not doing it. Because <laughs> he had just got this, they, they just got a green screen, and they were trying to figure out how to make it work, and it wasn't working like they wanted to. And long story yeah. short, just paint a wall in your house bright fucking green if you need a green screen. Um, Pretty much. All right, well. I know. I, I... I know a pro videographer that has done that. He's like, don't mess with the screens. Don't mess with cloth. Just fucking paint it, man. Paint the wall. And it works really well. Yeah. Well, because then you have a flat, solid surface that is consistent across the board. No riffles, no wrinkles, nothing to create a shadow. Flawlessness. Right. Um, wow. That was, I don't know why I all of a sudden just riffed out that information, but I digress. Folks, <laughs> you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast on all the different social media sites, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics podcast, or JIC uh, network. Now also patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a buck. You get early access every show on the network. As soon as they're done being edited, this one that, that Mr. Ben and I are doing right now, it's, it's only Saturday night. Our patrons yeah. are going to get this Saturday night, and everybody else is going to have to wait till fucking Monday. 
You Monday guys are going to be like, oh, I could have been listening to this on Saturday, chilling in my house, not driving to my fucking shitty job that I hate and listen to this. Ugh. You know, uh, but anyways, folks, always check out the Journey into Comics Network on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. And as you guys know, we are on Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network and you'll find almost all of our shows or go to GameAddictsPodcast.com. Search Game Addicts Podcast on those same platforms to get the Game Addicts that is also a part of our network. I want to thank you. Mr. Ben, so much for coming back to the show. It's always a great pleasure to have you on, buddy. Well, thank you for having me on again. It was uh, really fun to fill in the absence of Brando. Yeah, you did a great job, man. You yeah. do. You yeah, tell tell him he's fired. I'll just take over. I'll well, just do your podcast. <laughs> no. So listen, if he's gonna be if he's gonna be fired, we have to wait till two ninety four. That's set in stone way back in like Journey into Comics thirty six. Uh, as as the lore goes, it was the first time I did a solo cast um, oh, after yeah. Brandon had been a host. We decided we were going to do a couple solo casts just so we could put more content out. He would do mm-hmm. one mostly on games that ends up being Game Addicts, and then I would do one that turns into essentially it's still all the shit that I talk about anyways, so whatever. <laughs> um, but on my first one, I was like, don't worry, folks. Brandon's not fired. That's not till episode 294, and I've been keeping that joke going the whole time. Like, 294, I'm not going to forget, and I've actually thought about it. Like, maybe I'll fire him on air and then immediately rehire him like it ain't no thing, you know? So I don't break my word. There you go. I don't break my I word. I think that's a good plan. But then Brandon doesn't have to also leave the show because I love him, and we would be so close to 300, I would fucking hate to do that. But anyways, man, (laughs) again, thank you so much, Ben, for coming back on to Journey into Comics. This has been episode 187 of JIC. As always, I'm Nate. Uh, I'm Ben Krieger. (laughs) You're a pro. I love that. You did great. Knocked it out of the park. (laughs) And as always, folks, do Uh, us a favor. Take off your ball caps, chop your heads open, and fill those brains with shit.